How many started school this week? Your kids started school this week? Yeah? How many are starting this coming week? Yeah, yeah. How many don't have to think about school starting and you're grateful? <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at y'all. Hallelujah. You need to have some more grace for the rest of us, okay? <laughs> Being all judgmental, like, ha ha. Okay. And so we're going to talk about family, we're going to talk about relationship. Um, and the more, the more we lean into relating to people the way God relates, do you think our life's going to get a little bit better? Sure it is. And are, are we preaching today about family because it's just back to school and that seemed like, well, duh, Mark, preach about No, no, we're not doing that. You know why we're, I'm going to preach about family? It's because it's hard. Can I get an amen? Anybody? It's, it's hard. It's not easy. But see, here's the thing. If you're past, maybe you're not quite to the whole back to school thing, or maybe you're beyond the back to school thing. Maybe your kids have grown and, and they're out of the house and you don't have to think about any of that. Um, guess what? You're still part of a family. Look, look at somebody say, we family. Point at somebody else say, you're my family. Part, part of our mission statement is that when you came to Bethel, you found a place to belong where you are loved and accepted. Who found that when you came to Bethel? Yeah. Um, I remember when we walked in the doors 24 years ago or so, and uh, <coughs> my wife said, it just feels like home. And literally not even knowing at the time that that was the prophetic word that God gave our pastors before they even planted this church, that they said, God told them, you get the house ready, and when people walk in, they're gonna say it's, it's home. And so it's been that for us for a whole lot of years. But I love this verse in Psalm 68, 6. And it says, God sets the lonely in families. And so whether you got your nuclear family that you're gonna hear this message through a lens, or whether you are a part of this spiritual family, maybe a little family of choice. Travis, when he got here 16 years ago, oh man, I wish we had pictures of that. Like just the way he dressed. Mm. Mm. He walked out of the room, so I'm talking about him. I think that's fun. By the way, if you don't know, Travis can rap. And, um, and so like that was part of what got him to the first lock-in that he ever came to because there was another white kid that could rap. I'm just gonna leave that there. Um, but 16 years ago, he, he chose a family of choice. Daggone, we couldn't get rid of him if we tried now. I'm not gonna hand you a mic or anything. So he, he came back in. He thought, well, Mark's gonna hand me a mic and ask me to rap. That's why you came back in. In the lobby, somebody ask him afterwards. He'll, he'll freestyle for you. <laughs> so why are relationships hard? Why is family hard? Because family involves people. And people are messy. Or as our pastor likes to say, people are, people are goofy. With all the love in our heart, people, are go- people do goofy stuff. Look at somebody and say, you can be goofy. Now if you got family around you or close friends, say, you need to stop that. Just tell them. You know. Don't tell the first time guess that. Sandy, you're never goofy. You're fine. Um, so when we open ourselves to relationship, it's... It's risky because people are messy and people can lie to you. They can let you down. They can hurt you. People can shame you. They can blame you. They can just flat out disappoint you. And so when you open yourself to relationship, you literally are opening yourself because it is without relationship, you cannot experience the greatest joys and love and like the fun of life, like the joy of life. You can't get that without relationship. But also when you open yourself to relationship, you are opening yourself to the risk that you can be hurt. 
that you, you, you may have a little frustration in your life because of some people in your life. Don't elbow your spouse right now, don't do that. The people in your life, like they, unfortunately, they bring joy to your life, but they also might bring pain. And so if we can learn how to show up better in relationships and better in family, then we get to experience more of the goodness of God. Now, I wanna say this. <clears throat> I don't really need to say this, but I wanna say this. How many have had some people hurt you? Oh, yeah. Just, okay, the rest of you are sleeping, okay. Uh, no, you might be young. It's coming, don't worry. Um, but people will hurt you, they'll let you down, right? But here's what I believe with every fiber of my being, because God created every single one of us, and God don't make junk. And so I believe that even the people that have hurt you, that have disappointed you, that have let you down, that have not shown up the way they're supposed to show up, that have done things they just shouldn't do, I believe with all my heart, most of us are trying to do the best we can with what we got. Sure, there's some evil people in the world who they just wanna hurt you. They wanna take you out. Cut those people off. Don't even think about it. Evil people, cut them off. But most people, they just don't know or we're acting out of our past experiences. We're acting out of the things, the ways we've been hurt. And maybe we just don't have enough tools in our toolbox, our relational toolbox, and so we end up hurting people. How many of you have had that moment when you realize that you hurt somebody that you love and it brought you to tears or it just ripped out your gut? Like you, you hurt them and you didn't want to. How many have had that moment? Hey, you can let that go, you know, even if they didn't. You can forgive yourself. You can receive God's forgiveness even if they're not participating. <coughs> if you want a great book on that, there's a book called Total Forgiveness. Not in my notes, but just felt like the need. Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall one of the biggest principles that I learned from that book is that we, most of the time, oftentimes we want, when we forgive, we also want reconciliation. We wanna restore the relationship. And so a lot of times when the other party is not cooperating, we think, well, we can't have forgiveness because they're not willing to reconcile. And the reality, the biblical truth is, no, 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 you can have total, complete forgiveness with you and with God and, and to the degree that your part with them without reconciliation, without restoration. And so if you're waiting on someone else to participate, stop doing that. Just, just, just go ahead and get there because it's only robbing you of your peace. It's only hurting you. And so get to that place. You should read that book. I've recommended that book to a whole lot of people. I know there's several in here that have read it. Um, and it'll impact your life if you read that, if that's a thing that you're dealing with. Um, so we're doing the best we can, um, and yet we've still messed up. Like everybody in the room, raise your hand, just every, everybody, everybody. I mean, if you're below 10 years old, maybe you don't have to, but the rest of us in here, these are all the people that have screwed up in relationships. And you're doing the best you can. Um, we, we wanna show up in relationships and have like Steph Curry, and basketball fans in the room, we wanna have Steph Curry's free throw percentage. His free throw percentage in his career is, wait, I wrote it down, 90, 90 point, where'd it go? 90.9. That's really good if you don't know percentages. And we want that, right? That's how I wanna show up in relationships. I wanna get it right. I had a client this week, he, we had a big deep call and he's dealing with something with a business partner, and he's like, Mark, I showed up in that relationship, I showed up at that meeting, and he's like, I'm giving myself an A plus, because he didn't get emotional, he didn't allow the other person's stupidity um, to pull him down to that level. Amen. And he's like, I showed up and I did, the, he, he was Steph Curry that day. But for all of us, not all of us, there's gonna be times when we show up more like Shaq. Shaq's free throw percentage over his career, not there at 52.7, which if you're not familiar, that's horrible. He was fun to watch, but 
And so here, here's where I want to come to you today is how can we com- improve our overall performance? Like I'm not going to get into tactical like, like tuck your elbow and bend it. Like we're not going to do that. But like what are the overall principles that can help you get better? They can help you show up differently. And I'm gonna hit a lot family, but this applies to relationships overall. Every single relationship, this is gonna apply. So I'm gonna hit four foundations, literally foundational principles. And uh, I'm being a little ambitious. I had three, and then I had dinner with my, my wife and my kids, and um, which that's not my wife, that's my sister-in-law, just in case. Like, my daughter's right there. Could be confusing, my wife's teaching down in B-Kids. Sorry. I just referenced it. I was like, I don't want to confuse anybody. Half y'all already confused. Anyways, lost my spot now on that. Um, We were having dinner, and I asked my family, hey, what? We don't do family perfectly, but there's some things we're doing doing all right at. And so I asked my family, what what is it that we do that we're doing all right at? Like, what, what are we doing well? And Katie made me add point number four. Well, she didn't make me, but she said something that was really true, and so I had to add it. So, four foundations, ready? Number one. (coughs) Number one, love. By the way, this is gonna be like rocket science stuff. You've never heard any of these things. Miss Pat was uh, asking me how she could pray before service. She knew I was preaching. And I said, I don't wanna just do a back-to-school family message and everybody feel warm and fuzzy and walk out. I don't care how good you are at loving people, you can get better. Like we can't just give this lip service. It's gotta be real, it's gotta be deep, it's gotta be progressive. You got to get better at loving your people. Because if you don't, your relationships are gonna be broken. There's gonna be more pain and hurt that is not necessary. And some of us, we'd like to fix the other people in our family because they need to get it together, right, Josh? Sarah needs to, like, get it. (laughs) He's like, I'm not going there, Mark. You shut your mouth. Smart, Josh is a smart guy. But love comes back to me. What are the decisions I am gonna make? Let's read a familiar verses, 1 Corinthians 13. <coughs> says, I speak, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love. Now some of you, like you've heard this so many times, you might need to close your eyes, put your hand on your heart, and like feel this and hear this with spiritual eyes. Like don't just like, oh, I heard this at the wedding the other day. No, no, no. Like what does this really mean? But if I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain, what's the word? Nothing. Nothing. Now, as I look across this room, there's a lot of church folk in here. You're easily recognizable because you sit in the same place all the time. (laughs) Richardson, you threw me off back here a little bit because like, you're like, like, why, what are you doing back there? Like, do you, I'm, I'm gonna leave that alone. But most of you, you're church folk. If you're not, hey, welcome to the family. We love you. We're glad you're here. It is so easy to measure ourselves by things that do not matter to God. And so these verses remind us that your church title, your position, the recognition you get, your gifts, all that stuff, no matter how good people think about you, all of it means what? Nothing Nothing if you don't have love. I don't care how much people are impressed by you when you come to church on a Sunday morning. 
or you serve and you do your thing. How's your love? Like, really? How's your love? Because that's the measure that matters to God. We got to get better at loving. You, you can't do relationship. You can't do family well without it. You got to get better at that. Now, now I'm not judging you because I got to get better at that. We all have to get better at that. Has anybody hung on a cross for the penalty of the sins of the world lately? Okay, we all got to get better at that. We have not gone to that measure that our Savior went to. So how are we going to get better at that? The beautiful thing is that God doesn't leave us like in the dark, like what that should look like. I mean, he, he talks about the power of love. The greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, love's everything, but how does that, what's that look like? Let's read verses four through eight, but I'm gonna read this in the Passion Translation, which is actually the Passion Paraphrase. It's not a, a direct translation, but... <clears throat> I'm gonna take a drink of water first. Don't get nervous. Look at somebody say, you're loved. If you're single in the room, you should have been strategic there. <laughs> Just kidding. Kinda. Okay, here we go. Verse eight, verse four. Love is large. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. Love is large and incredibly patient. Oh, Lord Jesus, let me just kneel here and repent right now. Anybody else need to kneel for the patience altar call? Is that just me? Okay. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own importance. I mean, I can preach, but if we just read the Bible, this is pretty good. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated. Should I do another altar call now? or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Let me translate that. Stops pointing out mistakes and flaws and shortcomings in their family. Takes no delight in what is wrong. I take delight in what is good, what is right, what is able to be celebrated. I'm really working on that one with my, my two teenage boys. Y'all yeah. <laughs> pray for me. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. For it never stops, it never stops, it never stops. What's that word, it? Never, never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. Is anybody doing that perfectly? I just want to ask some questions based on that. By the way, I'm not in a rush here. Amen. Because if we can get some of this stuff, some of you, your family is gonna change forever. Amen. Your relationships, even at work, or with sibling, grown siblings, or with parents, grown parents, like, it can change everything. Is your love bigger than minor, it says love is large, right? Is your love bigger than minor frustrations or unmet expectations? Because love is so large, it should not be easy for us to be pulled out of that on a daily basis. 
And yet, how many of us are? Anybody want to, like I put my feet and my legs up? It's large. Stop acting like love is small. Is God's love small? Is God's love big enough for anything? Does love win? And yet, oftentimes in our own homes, in key relationships, we're only, sounds like the right word, peddling in a small love. It's time to let our love be larger. Let go of some stuff and just choose to love instead of pointing something out. This is a practical one today. Are you incredibly patient? So I'm curious, because I, I, like I, this is a foreign concept to me. Is there anybody in here that you would say you are incredibly patient? I'm certain there are some in here. Are you incredibly patient? Like four, five, six, okay. The rest of y'all like me, thank the Lord, I'm not alone. <laughs> Woo, I feel better now. I'm happy for y'all that are patient. But if you're getting impatient on stuff, listen, when Katie and I first got married, <coughs> we got married May 8th, we started attending Bethel like three months later, two, three months later. And then I came on staff not long after that as a youth pastor, 23, 24 years ago. And do you know what we fought about most in our first year of marriage? I mean, this might be a slide. Like, there's always the money thing, the communication thing, but it was being late to church, on it. <laughs> when we got a second vehicle, it was like, thank you, Lord. I was like, I don't have to be, like, because I'm not good at the patient. I, I've gotten a little better, but Ella would probably testify I'm still working on that one. Unfortunately, the things we don't conquer, our kids get to deal with too, because Ella's with me in this. She's not very patient either. We're, we'll work at it together, Ella. Yeah. All right. Are you consistently gentle and kind? Like, this is the power of the word of God. You, you want to, like, rock your world? <coughs> Take that passage from the passion, and have a conversation with somebody in your family. And literally, I could sit down with Ella and go down the line and say, how am I doing on kindness and gentleness? Like, it's one thing for you to answer these questions, but for Sarah to look at Josh and say, how am I doing on pointing out things you do wrong versus pointing out things you get right? Did we just get real up in here? For for you to have a conversation and say, uh, am I quick to anger or am I keeping that in check? How am I doing on that? Now, you could ask somebody this, but they won't know. Like, are you holding on to offense or are you letting go of that? Listen, you can read the Bible or you can read the Bible. That one passage is enough to change your entire world. If you allow it to get in you and change your behavior and change the way you think and change how you show up. What is it that you could exchange in your life and instead of walking in that, you say, I'm gonna make a quality decision to walk in love. Instead of walking in irritation, I'm gonna walk in love. How many of you have children under the age of 18? Hey, can we all just come together and be like, we should make that decision together? How many of you married in the room? You, you, You think that, I mean, could that be a good decision for you? I mean, shoot, how many of you are breathing, huh? Could you make a quality decision to exchange making it okay to get consistently irritated and frustrated that leads to anger? Could you make a quality decision and say, I'm gonna let go of that and I'm gonna replace it with love? Is that gonna be easy? No. Heck no. 
But is it a good decision you could walk into? Do you think the Spirit of God is gonna help you? Do you think that sounds like keeping in step with the Holy Spirit? Does that sound like closing the distance between you and him? I'll never forget, (coughs) this is about, I'm as good as Travis at time stamping things. Um, Would have been about seven years ago. And I I went to this event. I, I probably have shared this once or twice, but it's worth repeating. And they were talking to us about our belief systems. And they were getting real and getting deep as well. And and if you do that kind of work, when you finally root down to what's the real issue that I'm dealing with here, it's often laughable. Because you wouldn't say it out loud, but when you realize that your behavior is demonstrating what you actually believe, you're like, oh my gosh, that is what I believe. And my belief was that my frustration and anger would change people, specifically my family. I was on staff during that time, I was coming here. I don't like get angry at y'all, but when my wife's running a little late, or my kid smears poop all over, oh man, that was a memory, smeared poop all, when he was in diapers all over the room. Poop, butt paste, he liked to smear things. Like I'm not gonna be like, what did you do to one of you if you show up late to a volunteer position? Like, I'm not gonna look at a teenager and say, what were you thinking? But like my kid at home, when I walk in the room, like, what? Like, so, but I was acting as if my frustration and anger would change the people I love. And by the way, did that way of behavior get me some results? Oh yeah, because if you get loud enough and you power up enough, and by the way, if you're just bigger than them, It'll get you some results, but at what cost? And the simplicity of shifting a belief system to line up with the word of God, instead of living in my frustration and anger changes them, I just changed one word. And I said, my love changes everything. Not just them, it changes me from the inside out. My love changes everything. A simple exchange, a quality decision to replace one thing with something else. The best something else, because the greatest of these is love. So my question to you on this first foundation, I'll move quicker on the other ones, don't get nervous. What do you need to replace? What do you need to exchange? Do you traffic and shame in your home? Some of you employers, business owners, managers, do you traffic in shame as a leader? Do you think love might get better results? I was working with a a lawyer not long ago and he's top level lawyer. And when he goes into a room to negotiate, he does a lot of stuff with SEC and high-level stuff. And we did some of this work, and he made some quality decisions to adjust some belief systems and behaviors, to line it up with the Word of God. And he said, Mark, I went into my next negotiation, and I started testing it out. Because when you're a lawyer, you're taught how to negotiate and how to be the big dog and how to get what you want. And he started testing out trust and vulnerability and finding a win-win scenario and actually showing up as a lawyer to love people he's negotiating with. And he was like, it works better. I know you might be getting some results the same way I was, but what do you need to exchange? I want you to bow your heads right now. What is it that you need to exchange for love? Is it frustration? Is it pride? Disrespect, irritation, offense, deception. Giving up on someone else. Maybe you need to replace that giving up on them and say, no, I'm gonna start believing again. Because love believes the best. Love doesn't give up. 
Just pick one, by the way. Don't pick, because, I mean, we could go for a list, but one thing. Okay, you can open your eyes. Did everybody get one? Did you get one? Raise your hand if you got one. <coughs> that one thing could change everything. I'm not perfect. I still get frustrated. I'll tell you this. I literally have attempted to remove the word frustration from my vocabulary. Do you know how hard it is to discipline a kid that just did something stupid? Not Ella, she never does. Do you know how hard it is to discipline them without saying it's so frustrating when you, like, I can't use that word. So I gotta get creative and say, I love you and I see the best version of you. Yeah. And I don't think that was it. Come on, that's good. How could we tap into the, that best version of you? How could we change some behaviors? Foundation number one is love. Number two, Jesus. I told you, this is rocket science stuff. You never heard this. Foundation number one, love. Foundation number two, Jesus. Now some of you are thinking, well, he messed that up, preacher. I'm supposed to put Jesus first. No, in fact, I did love first on purpose. Here's why. Because if you're new to this whole Jesus stuff and walking in him and keeping in step with the spirit, you know what the good news is? If you get in love and you keep leaning into love and you start loving like that and you start walking like that, guess what you're gonna find at the end of the road? Jesus! You can't pursue love and walk in love without running right smack dab into Jesus. And so when I talk about this, be clear, I'm not talking about the foundation of church attendance, of good behavior, of your spiritual disciplines. I am not talking about the foundation of that. I am talking about the foundation of what's his name? Jesus, like real deal Jesus. I saw a meme this weekend and it said something like, there's a big difference between believing in the, the man upstairs and believing in Jesus Christ who went through the cross and died for the penalty of your sins and he's your Lord and Savior. That's not the man upstairs. That is a real, authentic, real-time, intimate relationship with the God of the universe who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for the penalty of your sins so you could be in relationship with him so that you could know the love and the grace and the mercy of God. Jesus, as a foundation, is a choice. 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I love the Bible. You can try to build on other foundations, but is it gonna work? No. Because he is, whether you're acting like it or not, the foundation. How many have discovered that when you start making him the foundation, your life works out a little bit differently? It's not that you don't have problems and troubles, but there is a strength and a stability because you are grounded in a foundation that is unshakable. But he's gotta be a real foundation. Joshua 24, 15, he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the god of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me... In my household, we will say it with me. We will serve the Lord. You gotta make a decision. Not lip service. Not having your seat in the church. By the way, some of you all that come regularly and mix it up and sit different places, way to be. The rest of these people need, need a little mixing up, so good job on that. Listen, it can't just be showing up on a Sunday morning. It can't be an occasional devotional. It can't be just praying over a meal. It's gotta be Jesus at the core, at the foundation. This is uh, out of the message, Matthew 7. This, this, is, this kind of describes Jesus as a foundation. Matthew 7, 24. These, Jesus is speaking. He says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Amen. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. Jesus as a foundation is not incidental. Yeah. 
Jesus is the foundation can't happen on Sunday mornings. From 10 to 12, 11.30-ish. It doesn't work that way. Jesus is the foundation has to be more, has to be everything. These are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you, I love this phrase, if you work these words into your life, you gotta work it in. You gotta work it in, work it out. You, like you gotta, you gotta soak in this stuff until it becomes real. You are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit. How many have experienced those seasons in your life? In your family? The rain, the tornado, the, the fierceness of the storms. But nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. You wanna know if Jesus is the foundation in your home? What happened when the storm hit you? Did you feel stable, grounded, strong? Or were you scared out of your mind? Now, it's okay to be a little bit scared. Like, some big stuff happens. But when he's the foundation, you're immovable. You're unshakable. He, he said troubles are gonna come, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I've overcome those struggles. But we don't get that benefit if we're only given lip service. <coughs> Verse 26, but if you just use my words, oh my goodness, but if you just use my words in a Bible study and don't work them into your life, you, now this is the Bible, I didn't say this, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Look at somebody, smile on your face. Say, don't be stupid. Look at the person on the other side, because apparently the first person you look to, you think they're stupid a little bit more, but look at the person on the other side, say, say don't be stupid. Just reading the Bible here. Listen, guys, you know. Again, like I'm looking across this room. Like if, if Jesus isn't your foundation yet, we'll, we'll take care of that as a personal relationship before we're gone here today. Amen. But some of you, you've grown up in church. You bring your family to church. You're sitting as a family right now. And Jesus ain't your foundation. It's words you work into a Bible study. It's things you talk about at Christmas time and Easter. And it ain't working for you. If you're shaken, if you're trembling, if it feels like the world is on shaky ground, lean into Jesus. Make him your foundation. Get in the word. Pray. Connect yourself with the right people. Be in this building every time the doors are open. That was Travis when he first started coming. Like, we couldn't get rid of him. Still can't, but like, we're, we're grateful. Glad you're here, Travis. But every time the doors were open, he was here. I always laugh in the winter when the, we have a stormy night. Sometimes it's not even winter. It's like a rainstorm, and people don't come to church. But if they had tickets to see UK or to the Eris tour, maybe, I don't know, um, like, would a little snow or rain keep them away? Heck no. I mean, I love you, but if that stuff keeping you away, Jesus might not be your foundation. He might be something nice you work into a Bible study. I love you. That's not guilt, shame, and condemnation. That is checking you. Check yourself. The Word of God, Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. That's what I'm trying to do. Like, check your, is there anything offensive in there? Like, are you just giving lip service? Is he really your foundation? But then the Bible says, and then the rest of that verse, and lead me in the way everlasting. Woo! Like, listen, you ain't gotta stay in the dark. You don't have to stay shaky and unstable. There is a solution. His name is? Jesus. Like, stop acting like it's just church. And so that might look a little different for all of you. But listen, you got to bring Jesus into your daily life. Whether that's family devotions 
or it's not just praying over a meal, but actually praying at a meal time. It could look a whole lot of different ways, but it's got to be teachable moments in real time. It's got to be the real stuff of life with your faith integrated into it. If your parents look for the teachable moments, when something happens and then you have an opportunity to help your kids connect that with the truth of God's word, look for those moments. Look for more opportunities to pray instead of worry. Hello. If you don't get convicted by something today, you might be dead. So, like I'm poking on it all. Stop worrying. If Jesus is your foundation, there ain't no room for worry. Prophet Andre talked about get filled with the Spirit. In fact, like if this point's hitting you, go back and listen to Prophet Andre's sermon from last Sunday where he talked about closing the distance. You want practical, biblical teaching on how do we stay connected to Jesus? Go back and listen to that. It's gonna help you a whole lot. Foundation number three, communication. Now, I'm gonna gonna read a couple verses here. I'm not even gonna teach this one really because you just need to go back to Pastor Steph's message. I love some what? Some baby elephants. That's, if you weren't here, that should intrigue you enough. What in the world? Go back and, and watch it. Because it is literally a handbook. She gave you a map, a road map, for how to do communication well. But here's what I would say when it comes to family and relationships. Colossians 4, verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Uh, the Passion Translation. You, that verse struck me. My dad preached a sermon on that, mess, on that verse called Grace Giving Speech, probably 30, 40 years ago. Daggone, I'm getting old. Probably 30 years ago. And I never forgot it. Because my dad lives that. Grace Giving Speech. He wasn't harsh. There was life in his words. Verse, uh, that same verse in the Passion Translation says, let every word you speak, four things here, be drenched with grace. Like if you're wondering, was that grace enough? Was that loving enough? Then, then it may, may, might not be drenched. Drenched with grace. And tempered with truth, some of us are not honest enough. Pastor Steph has taught before about marginal deception where we tell just kind of the truth, but then kind of not the truth. It's a little white lie, if you will. And we do that in our home all the time. I love you so much. Stop it! Don't do that. Let your communication be tempered with truth and clarity. Be clear. Again, Pastor Steph's message hits that a lot. How to be clear, not to, the baby elephants are those things in your life that you've been avoiding dealing with, and if you don't deal with it when it's a baby elephant, it turns into a, a big old elephant, and then sometimes it's almost too late to deal with it by the time it's a big elephant. So, so we love baby elephants because we're going to be clear and honest in our communication. We're going to set healthy boundaries. Yes, you can set boundaries with your family. And you should. Now that usually goes to extended family, not your immediate family as much. Um, But healthy communication that is clear. And then the last thing, for then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your face. Listen, if we just brought more love and respect into our homes, we'd fix a whole lot of problems. A whole lot. Just with more love and respect. Now there was a book written Um, that basically the premise was women want love and men want respect. Eh. Men, do you want to be loved? Yeah, Yeah, you do. Do you also want to be respected? Yeah. Yeah. Ladies, are you going to be okay if you're loved but you're disrespected? Absolutely not. (laughs) You ain't even got to tell me. Go ahead and try and disrespect her and see what happens. Love and respect. 
Quality decisions to bring those things more into your home. Okay, let me hit this last point real quick. And the last foundation, and this is the one I added because of my wife, is a foundation of growth. You might even say transformation. I've been a pastor for 25 years. I do, I have a, a coaching business that I run. I'm now an elder at the church. I'm not on staff as a pastor any longer. And um, Katie's right. Like she was like, if you don't grow and deal with your stuff, you ain't gonna make it. Listen, if you don't grow and deal with your stuff, you're never gonna be happy at a place of employment. Your business is never gonna make enough money. Your ministry is never gonna impact enough people for you to get peace and wholeness on the inside because your issues from the past have never been resolved. Or as I like to say, they've never been transformed because that stuff from the past shapes you a whole lot. But you don't have to stay there. Your past, it does not define you. But if you don't make growth a foundation, literally in every area of your life, but in your own family, you're not gonna be able to get through it. Let me read a verse on this in Romans 12, one and two. And this is out of the message, just gives you a little new perspective. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. Like, is that where family happens? Is that where relationship and work and careers and school and all that stuff, your everyday ordinary life? Growth and transformation is not an event. It's not something that happened when you gave your life to Jesus and her call, her call. I mean, it happened then, but what's the Bible says? You gotta continue to work out your salvation until the day Jesus comes back and some of you got saved and you stopped growing. You might wanna change your mind about that. You might wanna commit to the process because as long as something's denied, it can't be healed. You have to have the courage to face reality about what's holding you back. And newsflash, it's not everybody else. Everybody go like this, come on, point at yourself. Like we're the thing holding us back, not everybody else. We gotta take full responsibility for that. And so take your everyday life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Listen, your family shouldn't look like everybody else's family. We don't function like the world functions. We live in a kingdom and it's upside down from the rest of the world. It don't make sense because listen, you, you go out and try to get some secular relationship advice and they're gonna give you some, some crazy stuff about how your woman need to respect you. She need to, she need to respect you. She, she need to, you know, tell you, she needs to know you're right and you're in charge. What? <laughs> you need the word of God wisdom in your life. Don't fit into the world. You wanna be transformed? It's a spiritual work that God's gonna do in you. Now, there's natural principles of growth and transformation, but it's a spiritual work. So instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Here's what I wanna say to you. Anybody heard that stat that most marriages break up because of conflicts around what two things? Money and communication is usually the second. Like they don't know how to communicate and they don't know how to deal with money. Here's what I will tell you based on the word of God that we just read. I think most marriages, all relationships in general, Marriages break down because a lack of immature, a lack of maturity. 
It's not money, it's not finances. It's just that you didn't grow up. I love you. I love you. We blame stuff on the devil. And we blame stuff on money or communication. But if we would develop well-formed maturity, if we would be more focused on God than anything else, if we would offer our everyday, ordinary life up to him as a living sacrifice, we're gonna be transformed from the inside out. We get to become more like him. And that's your choice. You have to choose to grow. Some of you, you felt like your home is stagnant or your career is stagnant, your relationship is stagnant. Can I tell you one quality decision you could make today could change everything? Just choose to grow. Just choose to grow. Choose to say, okay, God, how do you want to develop maturity in me? Maybe that's joining a connect group. Maybe that's getting signed up for the edge groups next time they come around. Maybe that's finding a mentor, maybe even in this room, who has the spiritual maturity and has been there and done that and knows things you don't know. Because all of us, no matter where we're at, what season, guess what? We don't know what we don't know. And if you tell the truth, you can get a little help. Everybody raise your hand. Just everybody in the room. Everybody, everybody. These are all the people who need a little help. But transformation doesn't come easy. Some of you, that's getting a counselor, a therapist. Faith-focused, I would recommend and prefer a coach to help you navigate through some stuff. Some of you have been invited to an event we're getting ready to do um, for some of the core leaders. And listen, that is a growth thing to get into the deep stuff and help you do the deep stuff. It's gonna change your life. Because growth is what's separating you from the life that God's designed you for, the family that he's designed you for, the relationships that he's designed you for. He wants you to be transformed. Everybody say, I choose to grow. Nobody else can choose that for you, but you.